Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. You know, this morning when we get started and we are celebrating the resurrection, I just want to remind you that every day has powers available for you to walk in. Every day of life because of the work that Jesus did. And so what we understand happens, what we're celebrating today is understanding that God made a way for man. He promised that man would have a way out through Jesus. And he fulfilled the promise, not only through the sacrifice of Jesus paying for our sins, but raising him from the grave, bringing him out of that tomb. And Jesus is the only one that could ever say that he was able to predict his death and his resurrection. Amen. I think that's pretty special. And I think if there's anyone to ever give our heart and lives to completely, it is Jesus. It is God through the work of Jesus. Amen. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we get into the word, open up your hearts to receive all that he has for you. If this is your first time, we are so blessed again that you're here with us at Tree of Life Church. We say welcome. We're thankful that you came this morning. You took time to get ready, prepare, get your family ready, and come on out. And we are, again, grateful for that. We've been praying for today for everyone that would gather here. And we just know that God is a good and faithful God. Uh, This morning, as we're uh, celebrating Easter, the resurrection, I also want to let you know that we're really starting a series. There's so much to say about the resurrection. Really, we could do the whole year on the resurrection and beyond because it is the reason why we have victorious life. It is uh, something that represents and shows the promise of the Father of his great love for you and I. In fact, you see that all throughout the scripture. We'll look at an Old Testament passage and helping us understand the power of the resurrection. We're gonna look at at the Old Testament passage where Moses brought Egypt out of bondage and freedom came. And it is a a story that reflects and reveals the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It it what expresses the promises that God has for each and every one of us. And one, one of the great things about God is he always keeps his promise, amen? And because of the resurrection, we see that God has released the power uh, of his life into our lives to fulfill all the amazing things that he has. In fact, I'm going to start by looking at Luke 24 this morning. We're going to reread a portion of passage that Pastor Dave read just a moment ago on stage. New Living Translation says this, Luke 24, 5. Here's what the word says. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking for among the dead for someone who is alive. And I love that question right there because really that's what we need to be asking ourselves every single day. Why do we look for life among dead things? Why do we look for the power of life? Why do we look for uh, something that can produce life in our lives or something that gives us the ability to live life as it was intended among the dead things? And that's what we do all throughout life. We pursue things, uh, people, relationships, or, or circumstances, or events, or, or uh, promotions, or accolades. Or, or We search all kinds of things trying to find life that only can be found in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. We look for life and let us not look for it among the dead things that can't bring eternal life, but only Jesus can. And his resurrection life gives you and I the power and ability to live life to the full while we're alive on this planet. So I love that phrase. I love that question. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? It goes on to say this. 
He isn't here. You're not going to find it anywhere. You're going to find it only in the person, the resurrected Jesus. He has risen from the dead. And then he says this, remember what he told you back in Galilee. And that's what I want to do today. I want you to remember what was said in the scripture. Because it's not only talking about new life for those who are giving their heart to Jesus for the first time. It's at times we let life overwhelm us and we forget what life is about. We forget that the power that's available to us. We forget that God made us a promise and he always keeps his promise. I want to remind you today, remember what he said. Remember what God said. It is still yours. It is still available for you because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say this that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remember that he said this. I hope today that we remember the words of our Heavenly Father, his promises, and that's what I intend to do is help you see that. Luke 24 goes on to say this in verse 44. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me, is Jesus speaking in the law of Moses and the prophets in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Everything, the promises must be fulfilled. It goes on to say this, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It goes on to say this, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. You know what he's telling the people that have, ga- that have gathered there is what you're seeing now is the promise of God kept, fulfilled. He says, the fact that you see me resurrected, it means that God keeps his promises. He is who he says he is, and he does the things he says he will do. But there are times in our life where we don't even know what the promise of the Father is, or maybe we've forgotten that. And today, we're going to do what the scripture said. We're going to be reminded of that. We're going to put ourselves in remembrance. And the resurrection power of Jesus is something that enables us to walk in and fulfill all the promises of the Father. In fact, let's take a look at 2 Peter 1. Here's what it says. His divine power has given us everything we need. Say everything. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And it says this, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. He's given us so many promises so that through them, fulfillment of the promises, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. There is an escape for you. There is an escape from this evil world. It's like, we live in this world, it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, we turn on the news one more time, are you kidding me? But I'm here to say this morning, there is an escape from this evil world, and it's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can participate in that life more abundantly because God promised us a way out of this dead life, and it is through Jesus Christ, amen? And that's why we celebrate, and that's what we have to look forward to. I wanna share with you, there's four core promises that God has for all mankind. And in fact, this morning, not only are we giving an Easter message, we're actually kicking off a series called He Promised. I'm going to share one of those promises with you this morning and ask you to come back the next couple of weeks to hear the next uh, three. We're going to talk about the four co- uh, common or core promises that he made. And he made hundreds of promises, but I, I believe these are the four big ones, uh, four things that God always wanted to do in people's lives, every day of our life. And now he first revealed it to people back in the story of Moses and how Moses delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. And really for us to understand the resurrection power, what's available to you and I, it is important that we go back to the beginning. And in this story, we find those promises. In fact, it's celebrated every year by the Jewish people. 
and those that God had rescued out of bondage and slavery. In fact, when you see in the scripture, Egypt, when it talks about Egypt, it's a type of this world. It's the worldly mindset, it's the spirit of the world, if you will, and how he sent Moses as a deliverer to deliver his people, the Jewish people, and, and then the Jewish people still celebrate it every year, they're reminded of it, and they celebrate these promises as Passover. And we as Christians, we know it is Easter. And Passover, Easter is when we remember these promises of why Jesus came and what he wants to do in our lives, why he was resurrected and why that's available for you and I. And so for over 3,500 years, God wanted to do this in your life and we see it all throughout the scripture. So let's take a look at Exodus six. Go ahead and turn there for me. Exodus six, verse six. We're gonna look at these four core promises that we find in this opening story. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ lets us know that God will fulfill those promises in our lives. So in going there and looking at that, let me set it up for you just for a moment. Moses coming back from the burning bush, he was out tending the sheep and all of a sudden he walked by this bush, it was burning yet it wasn't and a voice of the Lord spoke to him and told him to go back to Egypt and deliver his people. And he said, tell my people, tell the Israelites four things, four promises and you need to know what these are because he wants these for you, he wants these for me. The first thing he says this in verse six is therefore say to the Israelites, here's what I wanna do, here's my promise. I am the Lord, and number one, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. He says, I will bring you out. He's not talking about, I'm gonna take you to a, a, a place we can worship together. I'm not trying to get you to a church. He's not talking about, I want, I want, I want them to pray more. He's not talking about, I want them to be more holy. I want them to be nicer to people. I want them to give more money to the church or to the poor. Understand the first thing, the first thing God wants to do is to get you and I out of our current condition that we're in. He says, above all else, here's what I'm promising you, that if you'll let me, if you'll work with me, I will bring you out from the current condition that you're living in. And oh, is that not good news, people? That God has a better way, he has a better life. And we're not bound to the things of this world or this Egypt that we live in, but God says, I promise if you'll work with me that I will bring you out of the current condition that you're living in. The reason why you know he'll do what he says he'll do is because the fulfillment of the promises through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power that he made available to you and I. See, understand that we are under a bondage or a slavery in this world, this worldly mindset is still here. And then he goes on to say this, and I love this, the second promise, which we'll talk about in the next week. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will free you. See, understand there's a difference between being brought out of our current condition and being freed. And let me illustrate this way. God not only wants to bring them out of Egypt, then he wants to bring Egypt out of them. Come on, who knows what I'm talking about? I'm saved and love, people say, I saved and love Jesus, but I cuss a little bit, right? I'm like, I'm not me, I'm saying people say that. But he's saying this is like, I'm bringing you out of Egypt and then we will work on the Egypt and get it out of you. But see, that's a big deal because people today think that we have to get cleaned up before we can come to God. And God says, I'm gonna take you just as you are. Let's get out of that. Let's get out of that place first and we'll work on the rest. I'm not good enough. I I've done too many bad things. And God's like, hey, look at Jesus and what I did with him. I'll take you just as you are. And then with that resurrection power, we'll work on the issues of life together. And so I love that about God. God accepts us just as we are. He just wants to get you out of the current condition and then together you can work on that. You don't have to get cleaned up and, and then go to God. God says, I'll take you just as you are. Let's get out of that current condition and let's work on those issues in life. And we all have them. And he wants to be there and help walk us through those things. If you're a Christian, let me say it this way. You'll go to heaven, but while on earth, let's take care of the issues you battle. 
habits, addictions, anger, attitude, rejection, relationship problems. See, he's not talking about just punching your ticket to heaven. That's all well and good. But then he wants your life on earth to be a little bit of heaven and not hell. And so he'll work with you on that. Amen. So after he gets you out, he wants to get you free. And we'll talk about that the next week. Then the third promise, he says this, and I will redeem you. And that word redeem means to restore. He promises to get us out of our current condition. He promises us to help us get free of the issues that that weigh us down. And then he promises to redeem or to restore us. And what he means here is to restore you to your original intent. You realize God made you to be amazing. God doesn't create junk. He made you to be special and have a special purpose. And he made you to have a divine destiny in this world, not just to take up your air, food, space, and water. He says, I'm creating something amazing. And what he wants to do is to bring you out of your current condition. And then what he wants to do is help free you from those issues so life can be good. And then he's going to restore you to your original intent. He wants you to find your purpose in life because we all have one. And oh, isn't it sad that we wander through life aimlessly, never discovering our purpose. But God says, I promise that we will find that together. I'll restore you to your original intent. The promises of God. Through the power of the resurrection of Jesus He wants to restore you. He wants wants you to know why you're on the planet, why you exist, why you're here. You are here for a reason. And then the last promise, I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm. And the next verse says this, the next promise. Here's the promise number four, four main promises. I will take you as my own people. Now listen to that word people. Because these other three promises before this, it's you, you, you. Now the fourth promise is people. Now he puts you in a group. He puts you together with others because life was never meant to live alone. And you may feel like the Lone Ranger and that's not what God ever intended for you. He wants to connect you with others like you. He wants strategically to put you in relationships and families to do something greater than yourselves. And that fourth thing is I will take you out as my people. And he wants to connect you with others so you can make a difference in this life. And this is what life is really all about. Doing life with others, making a difference. And basically he's saying, I will fulfill you. Because listen, it's even proven scientifically. There is no greater satisfaction in this world. There's no greater fulfillment in this world than helping somebody else. It's been proven scientifically over and over again. You can Google it and study it. See, we we are empty and unfulfilled until then we use our gifts, abilities in conjunction with other people and help others do good in life. And in fact, just yesterday at the egg hunt, and we had so many people serving from Tree and some first time uh, people serving. Uh, they've been at Tree for a short time. They signed up to, to serve at the egg hunt. I had one guy, who was walking to my car and he was just so excited. He came, pass it on, pass it on. Thank you for putting on the egg hunt. This is my first time to serve and I loved it. I said, but it's cold. And he said, I loved it. I said, but it's windy. He said, but I loved it. And all I did was stand here and greet people when they came in. And I just can't tell you how I feel inside. And I said, you're being fulfilled and satisfied because of your purpose, because God put you together with a group of people to make a difference. The promises of God, four promises of God, four core promises of God that the resurrection makes possible to you and I. Simply put, he says this, I want to save you bring you out of your current condition. I want to free you, work on the things that would hold you back in life. I want to restore you to your original intent and design. And I want you to be fulfilled or I want to fulfill you and satisfy you. These are the four core promises that are made possible because of the resurrection of Jesus. And let's take a look at the first one this week. We'll look at the others in the upcoming weeks. So be sure to be here for it. Let's look at the first one and let's go back to the story in Exodus six, verse six. Let's start with the first promise. Therefore, he said to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. His first promise, I'll bring you out from under the yoke. 
before anything else can happen, I have to get you out of there, he's saying. Before anything, you wanna succeed, you wanna do well, the first starting point, what has to happen is he has to bring you out. I'll free you from the yoke of bondage of slavery. And to understand this fully, you have to go back to the original story. What is he talking about then? What does it look like? Where he's making these four core promises to to people and and the resurrection power enables us to do that. What is he talking about? What did it look like back in that? What is he bringing them out from? So let's revisit the, let's visit the original story briefly. And to understand the yoke of bondage or slavery to the Egyptians, we need to look at the story. There was a famine in the land and the children of Israel, the Israelites were suffering and Egypt was not. And so they went to Egypt and Egypt said, sure, we'll help you. Why don't you come and live here? And they lived in peace and harmony for some time, quite some time. And the the Israelites grew and multiplied. And there was a nice Pharaoh there that, that welcomed them in and they worked together. And then that Pharaoh died and another Pharaoh came to power and he wasn't so nice. And he saw, all of a sudden, he saw all the Israelites, uh, their population just explode, and they were uh, growing even faster than the Egyptians were, and it concerned them. And so he decided that can't be. He was afraid one day they would overthrow Egypt, so he decided he needed to enslave them. He thought they would take over, so he enslaved them. They were forced into slavery, the Israelites were. And now when you look at the bondage Pharaoh put them in, I would say this to you, it's the same bondage we see in the world today. The same spirit, the same mindset. Again, Egypt is a type and shadow of this world. The yoke of bondage has not changed. It still exists here on the planet. So Pharaoh made three decrees to force this yoke of bondage on them. Number one, his first decree was this. In order to keep them in bondage or put them in bondage, they were forced as slaves to make bricks. Now, if you look up the word slave, it doesn't only mean that you're a slave to a person. In fact, if you look up slave, it means anytime you're submitting to a dominating influence. Anytime you're submitting to a dominating influence, you're a slave to that. So you could be a slave to a habit. You could be a slave to an addiction. You could be a slave to drugs. You could be a slave to alcohol. You could be a slave to your emotions and your feelings. You could be a slave to uh, wrong relationships. Uh, You could be a slave to anger, to bitterness, to depression. You can be a slave to loneliness. There's a lot of things that we could put in that to say that we could be slaves to. It's any time that you are submitting to a dominating influence. And basically what it means, it's telling you how to live your life and you don't even like it. I don't wanna live this way, but I don't know what else to do. I don't wanna live this way, but I've lived this way for so long. I don't like it living like this, but I can't help it. I can't get out of this. You don't even want to live this way, but you find yourself a slave to the world and the worldly mindset. And here's how I hear it as a pastor when I talk to people, and you hear it this way too. I feel stuck. I'm stuck, not going anywhere. I don't want to live this way. I don't want to be like this, but I can't find a way out. I feel trapped. I feel trapped. I know there's something more, something better, but I can't find a way to break free. And you feel enslaved. Look how Jesus said it in John 8, 34, 35, message paraphrase. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead end life and is in fact a slave. There's our word. A slave is a transient. It's somebody that wants to do something, somebody that wants to move around, but who can't come and go at will. I want to get out of this, but I can't. I'm submitted to this dominating thing in my life. The son, though, has an established position in in the run of the house, and that's what Jesus wants to provide for you and I through his resurrection power. But you feel enslaved. You feel stuck. It tells you how to live your life. And, And understand this. Hey, salvation is not just for people who want to go to church more. It's for people who feel this sense of slavery, feel this sense of being stuck, this entrapment, enslavement. They feel trapped, stuck in a dead end life, and it's telling me how to live my life. In the story, the Pharaoh makes another decree. 
to the people of Israel. He says this, that every male child that is born, we are going to throw in the river. This decree was we're going to the murder of babies. Pharaoh murdered all the baby boys of the Israelites. And that's not just biblical history. We know this from historical records outside the Bible. It's a historical fact that their population grew so fast that Pharaoh issued a decree for all the Jewish baby boys to be thrown into the Nile River. And that may be kind of heavy on an Easter Sunday morning, but listen to what he's saying. Pharaoh is saying, or the worldly mindset, was tr- what he was trying to do was to destroy the upcoming potential in them. That the world is not for you, it's against you. It wants to keep you in bondage. It wants to enslave you, even though you don't want to be there. And it wants to destroy the upcoming potential in you. And God says, I want to promise to bring you out of that. I have given you great callings and destinies in life. And you have unlimited potential in me. Because it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that can dwell in you. And that's the power that makes impossible things possible. So the world wants to steal your potential. Now, you know what that's like. I know what that's like. I've struggled with this from time to time. Listen, I I, I used to be at a place in my life where I didn't want to get up in front of people. I didn't want to talk in front of a group of people. And in fact, I I went to New Braunfels High School. I remember my senior year, we had to do a, uh, uh, we had to memorize a uh, speech. And based on how many lines we memorized, we had a grade associated with it. If you memorized the whole speech and gave it correctly, you got a certain grade. or there was different numbers of uh, lines that you would memorize to get you a certain grade. I was terrified of it. I only remembered enough lines to get me a 60. That was back in the day when you could pass with a 60. Come on, they eliminated that. Now I'm glad I wasn't in school back then. I'm just telling you. But I was so afraid to get up in front of people. And I don't know why, but I didn't want to get up. And I only remember, I was a, a partial speech. I gave half a, just stop right in the middle of it. Whatever that line was for a 60, I stopped and sat down and said, thank you for my 60. And I was, it was terrible. I remember going to Texas State. I was enrolled at Texas State and I was in a speech class because you have to take speech. I did so horrible my first speech. I swore I'd never do another one again. And so when the next one came around, I dropped the class to get out of there. I'm like, I, I, I know what that's like. And that's a silly illustration. But a lot of you know what it's like. You were meant for more. God has great things for you and fear and, and, and the, the oppression of this world will keep you. It wants to steal your potential, but you know you're wired for greatness. Something inside of you says, there's more for me out there, so don't let the world steal your potential because you are made for greatness. Greater is he that's in you if Jesus is Lord and Savior than he that's in the world. And because of the resurrection, you can have that power in you because of the resurrection of Jesus. So the world still wants to steal our potential, still wants to keep us bound and enslaved. I would say it this way, it makes you feel empty. Don't let the devil try and destroy your potential. You know that there's something missing. You feel like your life has no meaning and you're just going through the motions. You feel empty. The Pharaoh required another thing out of him. His third decree was this to the Israelites. He required them to collect their own straw. Now that sounds kind of funny, but I understand this. In the day straw was provided, they were making bricks. They built some of the greatest wonders of the world. The pyramids and all those things associated with it. The children of Israel built that in an enslavement. But they were working sun up to sun down. And because the Pharaoh wanted to keep them in bondage, was afraid of them overthrowing and wanted to keep them weak. So what he did was say, from now on, you're working sun up to sun down. You're going to have to work a few more hours on top of that. You're going to have to get your own straw. What was he trying to do? He's trying to work them to death. And you know what? That's still the spirit of the world. I want you to work you to death. The devil wants you to work you to death. And here's how I know that. Because every time we ask somebody, hey man, how, how are you doing? Busy? Right? Or is that just me? Am I the only one that says that? Okay, thank you. I feel like the Lone Ranger right now. But anyway, so come on, church people. Help me out at least, right? Hey, well, how you doing today? Busy. What you been up to? Everything. Where you been? Working. Well, when you have some free time, yeah, call me in six months. 
all right? I mean, we're so busy. This world is keeping us so busy. You ever ask someone, how are you busy? How you been busy? How you feeling? Exhausted, tired. What you up to? Everything, you name it, I'm, I'm there. And that's reality for you and I. The enemy wants to keep us working hard. He's trying to wear you out. I think he's trying to make us so busy that we're tired, wore out, spent. We'll make bad decisions. I make bad decisions when I'm tired, wore out, and spent. We don't want to get up. We don't want to help anybody. We don't want to serve anywhere. We don't want to go to church. We're tired. We're too busy. We're spent. It's designed to wear them out even more, even to the point of death. They had to more, add more hours to their day. Let's say it this way. You, are, you feel exhausted. And here's how you know when it's a spiritual issue and not just a time issue. Burnout doesn't come from doing too much. Burnout comes from doing too much of what doesn't matter. Burnout comes from doing too much of what doesn't matter and he'll keep us distracted and he'll keep us busy in doing that. Here's what I mean. How many of you guys ever gone on vacation when you come back, you need a vacation to recover from your vacation. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Man, I'm tired, that vacation wore me out. (laughs) You're not rested. It's because rest is not inactivity. Rest is a condition of your soul. And so if you feel enslaved, if you feel empty, if you feel exhausted, you're a candidate for the very first promise that God says, I want to bring you out. God wants to get you out of there, the current condition that you're living in. And you're asking, what does this have to do with Easter? What does this have to do with the resurrection? And I would say it has everything to do with the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to enslave. He comes to make you feel empty. And he comes to exhaust you or wear you out. That's what he's done. It's what he does do. That is the spirit and mindset of the world, the bondage of Egypt and of the Pharaoh. I have come, however, Jesus says, that you may have life and have it to the full. Resurrection life. Jesus came not just to die for your sin, but to come in resurrection life to empower you to victorious life. Not just to live and exist on the planet, but to have life to the full. Hey, listen, if I can have life to the full, as this scripture says, I want it all. I want everything he has. If there's even a possibility that I can have life greater than what I'm living today, I want it. Go for it. It's worth it. He says this in Romans 8:11. message paraphrase, Romans 8:11. It stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, if he moves into life, if, if the God that has enough power to raise Jesus moves in your life, here's what he says, if that resurrection power lives in me, I can have that resurrection power. If God comes to live inside of me, all the power in heaven that it took to resurrect Jesus comes to live in me. It has moved into my life, he says. If it's moved into your life, it stands to reason, if he moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did to Jesus. And what are we celebrating today? What did he do to Jesus? He rose him up from the dead. He raised him up from the dead, amen? Resurrection power, that same power, that resurrection power comes to live and abide inside of you as well. He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive and to himself. I love that. I love that picture right there. Just imagine the same power and energy that it took Jesus to get out of that grave. That same energy and power is available to you. He'll do the same thing in you that he did to Jesus And that is bring you up from the dead, bring you out. Let me say it this way. You're not just supposed to celebrate an Easter. You're supposed to experience an Easter. Okay, I'm gonna say that again because I worked a lot harder than you're responding right now on that point. I'm gonna say that one again, I'm telling you. You're not just supposed to celebrate an Easter. You're supposed to experience an Easter and the resurrection power. Amen. Thank you. Amen. 
When God lives and breathes in you, you are delivered from that dead life. The life of feeling enslaved, the life of feeling empty, and the life of feeling exhausted. First Peter 3, 4, message paraphrase is this. What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven and the future starts when? Now, the future starts now, amen. Because he came alive, you can live and the future starts now. So here's the offer for you and it's the first promise. Back to Exodus 6, 6. Here's what he's promised. His offer to you is to bring you out. I will bring you out from under the yoke. He's not asking you to join a church. He's not asking you to be more religious. His offer is to bring you out from under the yoke. He just wants to bring you out of slavery emptiness, exhaustion. I can't imagine why you'd want to stay that way. I can't imagine anyone enjoying that. And I want to ask you two questions then. Number one, this, how did we get there? Because I don't know about you, but I didn't want to be enslaved. I didn't want to be empty. I I didn't want to be exhausted. It just kind of happened. I mean, we're kind of born that way when we're born on the planet, right? And that's why Jesus had to come to pay for our sin and rise again in resurrection power. But how did we end up that way? I don't know anybody that comes out in life and just says, hey, you know what? I want to be enslaved, empty, and exhausted in life. And I think really this is a difficult question because I think no one wants to admit that there's even a problem. We're so self-sufficient, self-dependent. We're taught to be that way or based on circumstances or what we can do in our own strength and ability. And it's hard to say we're living a life that I was not intended to live. I understand that. I didn't intend for this to happen. But let me say this, we all end up there. We all find ourselves at that place. It's not like any of us ever planned to be a slave or empty or exhausted. We just end up in that condition. And mostly because we've drifted. We just didn't connect with God. We didn't know. We didn't know any better. Or we we disconnected. And most of the time, probably unintentionally. I just got out of church for a while. In fact, I I, I met a gal yesterday at the egg hunt. I was just telling her, I said, you know what? I passed the tree of life. I'm not trying to recruit. I said, but where do you go to church? And she looked at me and she said, and I appreciate her honesty. She said, you know what? I haven't been to church in years. And I said, really? And then when I didn't want to ask her why. She just said, no reason. I just kind of drifted away. And that's easy. And that can happen easily. And, we, and sometimes it's because of experiences or bad experience. Sometimes it's, it's because we're hurt or something that happens to us. And we just become angry or confused, maybe just disinterested. Maybe it's because a, a church hurt us. Or maybe a church or a pastor or a spiritual leader let us down or a bad experience. Maybe choices, maybe mistakes. And one day we just wake up and we're living a life that we were never intended to live. But what's the better question? How do we get out? How do we get out of that? I mean, we find ourselves here, and at this point, it doesn't really matter how we got here per se. What matters is that we know there's a way out because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promises of God. And if God's first promise is getting me out, then how? How do I do that? If God wants me out, then here's what you need to do. Number one, make the move. You need to just make the move. It doesn't matter how you got here but don't stay here. Do something different about today. Let tomorrow, let the past be the past. Let Jesus take care of that and do something different about today. The biblical word for move or the process is repent. Now that seems like a bad word. That's a church word, repent. It means that I've done something really bad. I'm not saying that today, but here's what repent means. The word repent means to change direction, head a different way. That's not bad. That's smart. (laughs) That's good. That's a good thing to do. We just need to change direction, head a different way. And honestly, for some of you, it's time to take that step. 
It's time to leave Egypt. It's time to leave slavery and go the way of life or the life God intended for you to live. Really, that's what Easter is all about, to come out from that condition, to leave slavery, emptiness, and exhaustion and just go a different direction. God came, and what Easter's all about is because God came to close the gap between the life you're living and the life you could live. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18 says this, therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I'll receive you. Now listen to this. And I will be a father to you and you'll be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. You can be his sons. Just change. Just make a move. Be his son. Be his daughter today. Come on out from that place. Amen. What else do I need to do? What do I need to do then to come out of Egypt, come out of there, let it go? You got to let something go. Don't hold on to the world so tightly. There's always something you have to let go of. People want to go with God and to hang on to something in their life, and usually it's something that's destructive. He wants to bring you out, but you have to offer him the things that are destructive in your life. Let me say it this way. Here's the word surrender. Just surrender. Surrender to him. Let go of those things that haven't really done you any good and will never get you where you want to get. Let go of those things so you can experience the resurrection power of Jesus. Hey, Egypt is not that good. Egypt is not for you. It's to enslave you, to make you feel empty and to exhaust you. So let it go. Mark 8, 34 through 35 says this. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Surrender just means let him lead. He'll lead you to a good place. You can trust him. How? Because he keeps his promises, the resurrection of Jesus. Let him lead. You're not in the driver's seat. Let him drive. I am, uh, I am, he says, don't run from the suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all, but self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving yourself, your true self. Let him lead. Let it go. Let him, let him, let him take the wheel. Let him lead you. You can trust him. And number three, commit your life. Commit your life. Commit your life to a better life. You've had your allegiance to Egypt, to the world, perhaps. It's time to assign your heart to someone else. Romans 6, 19 says this. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness or to this world. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. What that means is just assign your allegiance to God. Make a decision just to assign your allegiance to God. Offer yourselves, this says, offer yourselves as slaves. Now, here's what's interesting. The first slavery we talked about was forced slavery. You didn't have a choice. It's you're born in this world, and here's the world, and you're born into a system that is keeping you in bondage, to enslave you, to make you empty, and to exhaust you. But the scripture says then, you can change your allegiance, and you can then surrender to God, or you can give yourself as a slave to God. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be a slave to the one who laid his life down for me. I'm going to be a slave who loves me more than anything else. I want to be a slave to the one who promises good for my life. I'm not going to be forced into slavery for Egypt. I'm coming out of that, and I'm going to be a slave to Jesus. I can trust him. I give him my life. I'm choosing. I'm choosing to be a slave by choice to the one and the only one that has ever or will ever pay for my sins and lay his life down on my behalf. I'm willing to devote everything I am to him. And the word here is relationship. 
See, it's not about religion. Jesus did not come to offer religion. He came to offer a relationship. And that relationship is, that's salvation. And that's my way out. See, the resurrection of Jesus enables us to walk in the promise of God that he gave 3,500 years ago that says, I want to bring you out of your current condition. I want to free you from the slavery of this world and this worldly mindset. I want to give you a destiny and a life that will help you live one of fulfilling instead of emptiness, that you have potential beyond your imagination because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And I want you to be refreshed and not exhausted, working on things that do not matter where you work yourself to death with no meaning in life. He says, I want to bring you out of that. And the resurrection power is the power that enables us to come forth from bondage and slavery. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that will free you from bondage and slavery and emptiness and exhaustion. Amen. God is a good and faithful God, full of resurrection power. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.